0: From Washington, this is Political Theater, Roll Call's review of the spectacle of politics on Capitol Hill and across the country. I'm Jason Dick. It's a very special time for U.S. politics because special elections, at least we think, are finally behind us, at least until Election Day. Sorting through the mess and... Talking about what we learned uh, over the course of the last year and a half, observing special elections for the House and Senate are Nathan Gonzalez, our Roll Calls elections analyst and the publisher of Inside Elections, and Simone Pathé, our senior politics reporter. Simone and Nathan, welcome to Political Theater. Thank you. Thank you. I think we
1: have a collective four hours of sleep between us probably, but <laughs> that's
0: all right. Let's do it. So uh, the most recent special election that is has still not been called at this point is in Ohio's 12th district. Uh, this was the this this marks uh, if we eventually do get a winner, which I'm sure we will fairly soon. You know, in, in, in at least in geologic time, uh, we'll we'll have wrapped up the special elections of which we've had eleven since the beginning of this Congress uh, since Donald Trump was inaugurated in January 2017. Um, First of all, let's talk about that Ohio 12th district, Uh, Simone, you've been covering it. Uh, Let's talk about what we know so far, and then we'll sort of make our way back to Kansas and California and all the other specials over the last year and a half.
2: Sure. So as things stand right now, it looks like Republican State Senator Troy Balderson will be the victor here. He has claimed victory. Um, Many of the Republican outside groups supporting him have also claimed victory. Danny O'Connor, the Democrat, has not conceded. Democrats have said that the fact that we are still counting results in this race is a good sign for them, even if they lose, that the fact that they forced Republicans to spend so much money, upwards of three million dollars, uh, defending a seat, that president Donald Trump carried by 11 points in 2016. Uh, that the former incumbent Pat Tebbery won by nearly 40 points, also in 2016, is a victory for them heading into November.
0: Moral victories. Uh, do do they count in this? I mean, this is a, the the Franklin County, which is outside of Columbus, and some of the the you know the counties that go to the east into sort of more rural Ohio. Uh, in adi- you, Simone, you mentioned that the president won it by eleven points. That Pat Tebbery, who's now at the Ohio Chamber of Commerce, the Ohio Business Roundtable, business, roundtable. business Ohio Business Roundtable, he won it uh, by forty points, and it was it goes back to being to nineteen eighty two, being represented by John Kasich, uh, who's now the governor, and then Pat Tebbery. So are are these moral and vic- victories important,
2: Nathan?
1: Uh, well, first, I maybe should disclose that I have a rivalry with this part of Ohio because I have to drive through it to get to my uh, in-laws in Indiana. It is a long, flat place. I-70? Um, <laughs> is that what it is? is 70. That... Yeah. We've been trying to go more northern route, <laughs> <laughs> 76 to 71 to 30. Does it work? But, oh, my no, goodness. Nothing it's works. It's just a long state. But anyway. It's I like mean, a
0: green there... version of Texas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it just keeps going. I don't want to drive through Texas
1: either. <laughs> um, I, you know, I get it. The Republicans say this is, this is about wins and losses. We won, they lost, and so what about Pennsylvania eighteen? Like, well, forget that. We won, they lost, and uh, I—that's—that's that's true. But I think where Republicans shouldn't get too overconfident is that Democrats don't have to win. Ohio 12 or Arizona 8 or Pennsylvania 18 or the renumbered district in order to win the majority. There are enough districts that are more Democratic uh, that they can win to get to get to the majority. So I think it's about the Democratic overperformance, consistent overperformance in these special elections that should be most concerning. And in a way, I'm glad that the race is undecided or, or uncalled for so long because I think the lessons to be learned are the same regardless of whether Balderson wins or loses by uh, a 1,000 or so votes.
0: And we have 68 competitive uh, House races or Republican Just races. added 69 thanks to 69. Uh, Collins
1: and his indictment. Chris Collins, <laughs> and, and his the
0: indictment. recently indicted Republican congressman from western New York. Uh, he was indicted on securities fraud, wire fraud, and lying to federal authorities uh on on wednesday it was a you know just another slow recess day uh (laughs) with with that news so 69 competitive races and as you said a lot of these are much more closer in a partisan sense than ohio's 12th district
1: and democrats need a net gain of 23 assuming balderson wins it's a 23 so you know democrats don't have to run the table and that's what's different than the senate is democrats essentially do have to run the table on the competitive
0: seats Simone, it seems like a long time ago that we used to talk about uh, off-election years, <laughs> <laughs> and and they were kind of slow. They were for developing sources, having a lot of coffee, uh, you know, maybe paying attention to Virginia, and New Jersey uh, every four years. Uh, that seems to have been kind of blown out of the water. I mean, you were covering special elections almost from the get-go early last year. Uh, let's let's talk about some of them because one trend uh, that, uh, that 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 Nathan mentioned and that we observed is that uh, while Republicans are are winning the majority of these, they're the Democrats' like margins are they're really eating into a lot of the margins, or they're overperforming.
2: Yeah. So if you think back over a year ago now to Georgia six was the race that everyone talked about. The um, most expensive in history. It's like yes, seven years ago, it felt like that happened. It feels like it. it, feels <laughs> like it. <laughs> um, and having spent a chunk of my life there in 2017, it' uh, sad that it seems so long ago. But anyway. Democrats didn't actually narrow the margin there as much as in some other districts, despite all the massive spending. But the trajectory has been the same. The fact that Republicans have had to spend just so much to hold a district. Um, And we've seen consistent narrowing. I mean, even if you look at the special in Car- California's 34th district. This has always been a safe Democratic seat, and there was still a plus 18 Democratic swing. Right. This um, was
0: Javier Becerra's seat. He, he left to become the Attorney General of California. I think the – according to our friends over at the Daily Coast, there was a, a Dem 69-plus margin in the, and uh, in Jimmy Gomez when he won. It ended up uh, – increasing his vote margin there by 18 points, you know.
2: Yeah, and it continued in South Carolina. That was a special that really flew under the radar in part because it happened the same day as the Georgia 6 election. So Republicans were just totally tuned out that there was a special going on. Obviously, will not be a competitive race this year given that the uh, Democrat is uh, facing some allegations of spousal physical abuse. Um, this is Archie,
0: Archie Parnell, who yes. uh, he said came in, came in within three points uh, of, of beating Ralph Norman. Yeah, and, and actually. It was, it, 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 it was really close.
2: Yeah, right? yeah, did better than John Ossoff in terms of narrowing that margin. Oh,
1: I hope John Ossoff's not listening
2: yeah, to this. Yeah, he would contest that. But <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. has contested that. John, and
0: John Ossoff being the Democrat in, down in Georgia. In Georgia. Who, Georgia. who eventually lost to Karen Hendel, uh, yes. Republican congresswoman. Now Republican congresswoman Karen Hendel.
2: But the trend gets to Nathan's point in some ways that these are more than just moral victories. When we think about Georgia, Republicans poo-pooed that idea as saying that, well, we won, so at the end of the day, it's still a Republican seat. And yes, that's true. But because this trend has not abated and because it has forced Republicans to spend so much money, we've seen, you know, a year and a half later that Democratic enthusiasm has not quelled, uh, that frustration amongst Republicans and independent voters with President Trump has not abated either
0: go ahead nathan
1: well i just uh, i think you know we unveiled a new metaphor for the midterm cycle at rollcall rollcall.com with a video and how
0: you're it, so proud of this you love it like you hate water and you love fire yeah it's not
1: about <laughs> waves and tsunamis it's about fires and it's about that there are so many fires across the country and i realize there are real fires in california but there are These electoral fires that Republicans have around the country, and I don't know that they have enough money or resources to put out all these fires. And we're not just making this up that uh, CLF, uh, Congressional Leadership Fund, Executive Director Corey Bliss on Tuesday night issued a release and and said, if you are a Republican candidate and you're not raising money, you need to get on the ball now. That's my paraphrase of it. Um, Yeah, Because you can't rely on Republican groups to bail out every – every Republican candidate, like what they've had to do in the
0: specials. Well, and what's fascinating to this, you know, to, to that point of you know congressional leadership fund. This is the super PAC that's associated with uh, with the Speaker of the House, Paul Ryan. Um, you know, they've been able to airdrop, uh, if, if you will, to use the fire season and metaphor. They've been sort of. I love of, it. Go got, with it. They got some hotshot teams that they can deploy uh, in, into these fire zones uh, in in Ohio or in Pennsylvania or you know South Carolina. But um, you know, again, we're talking. We're we're almost a little worn out from covering eleven special elections over the last year and a half, but there are <laughs> a few hundred more that they have to consider, uh, and and you know close to seventy competitive races, and again you know the this, these poor these poor super PACs they will not be able to spend you know. Ten million, fifteen million dollars in each and every race where there's a Republican incumbent who just hasn't raised enough money,
1: and the money doesn't go as far to get into the weeds with our listeners. That candidates pay what's called the LUR, the lowest unit rate for their ads. Outside groups are going to pay probably at least two or three times the, the the amount of money for the same ad. So they're going to pay money. They're going to pay more money for the same number of ads. And that's just not a that's not a scalable system. Now, some Republicans, some incumbent Republicans, are going to raise more than what Troy Balderson or um, Debbie Lesko did in, in the initial special election. But these Democratic fundraising numbers have been phenomenal, just really astounding. And Democrats going to be well financed for these races.
0: So uh, one of the things that the the president. Uh, uh, tweeted, you know, kind of gave himself a little pat on the back for helping, uh, you know, possibly push uh, Balderson over the line. Uh, he, he visited Ohio uh, on Saturday. And, uh, you know, it, it, as, as we were talking about earlier, Simone, I mean, it looks like Balderson is probably going to win here. Uh, Trump sort of took credit for turning around this uh, this this campaign. Um, but one of the things that, I mean, that we were kind of kicking around is that the the this may not be all that helpful in every race that we're seeing, particularly some of these swing districts like, say, in New Jersey, uh, Simone, where you've been covering a lot of of races, a, very, a lot of vulnerable incumbents. Let's talk about whether you think maybe Leonard Lance is going to want <laughs> the president <laughs> dropping into uh, New Jersey uh, in, in in to rally for him.
2: Yeah, I mean, aside from golfing in his district, I would say definitely not. Uh, but I think it's debatable even in Ohio 12, the efficacy of Trump's involvement. As you said, he did come in late, held this rally over the weekend um, in a fairly conservative county where it was important to turn out the Republican base. But this, is also a district that uh, has a lot of suburban, well-educated, affluent communities that didn't like Trump. Um, and it was an interesting primary—sorry, be- interesting race because you had Republicans from all stripes getting behind Balderson from Kasich, who of course denounced Trump and continues to denounce Trump, got in very late and was a little wary of endorsing Balderson because at times he seemed too close to Trump. Um, so I think it's an open question whether Trump in the end helped drive Republican turnout to help Balderson or whether he might have, in the end, kind of turned off some independent voters who were on the fence. But that just goes to illustrate the catch-22 that a lot of Republicans are in, whether it's Comstock in Virginia 10, Leonard Lance, you just mentioned in New Jersey, where they still need base Republican voters, you know, to run up their margins, but they can't necessarily court those uh, if they're going to be turning off a lot of independent suburban voters at the same time.
0: It, it's uh, it, it is there is this weird kind of catch 22 where we where as we see the president's approval ratings sort of they almost seem to be pretty solid at around the, the low 40s. I mean, they, they, they've they been remarkably stable as, as a lot of public polling has shown. And and you if you get all those folks out for sure, you're still going to need to get. Like some crossover in in a competitive uh, in, in environment or in a swing district, and certainly, you know, there are some Republicans we haven't even talked about who are in districts that Hillary Clinton won. <laughs> so, um, it, it'll be interesting to see how this goes. Now, we do have, I mean. The caveat that I mentioned at the top is that there still are some special elections to go, <laughs> unbelievably, but they, we, we don't have to uh, worry about them because they're kind of been folded into the general election. And these, uh, there are two in Pennsylvania: uh, one for Pat Meehan's seat uh, in suburban Philadelphia, one for Charlie Dent's outside of uh, Allentown. Uh, there's one in Michigan for John Conyers Jr., uh, and then two Senate races. Those those those, those senators have those Senate. Seats have incumbents uh, in Minnesota for Al Franken's old seat and Mississippi for Thad Cochran, but they'll. This is basically for like the rest of this, you know, the, the the term of this Congress, and then you know, there's another election, another general election. But so we can say that we're kind of done with with special elections, except for these things. Um, what you know? What do we look for? You know, like th- th- do we? What other sort of markers can we look at between now and Election Day? I mean, we've got a few more primaries, right? We've got, we've got a big one, a big Senate primary in Arizona that should tell us where the electorate might be heading there, particularly with Republicans. Um, but we're, we're nearing the end of like the primary election season, too. What are the big things that the two of you are going to be looking for you know, in, as we try to gauge what's going to happen uh, in November?
2: Uh, so we've got one more fundraising quarter before uh, the actual election. So that'll be instructive to see whether Democrats are going to continue to raise money, whether some of these Republicans who have now been publicly warned, they've been privately warned for quite a long time, mm-hmm. but whether they are going to take that as a signal to really step things up. Um, and then other just regular. This will be
0: September 30th. So we'll, we start, we'll yeah. start to get some fundraising numbers a little bit before, particularly people who want to brag. Right. And then the the people who are not so awesome is it like thinking about it they'll will find them out in like October. So they will yes. have very little time to change the dynamic of yeah. the race, at least financially at that point, right?
2: Correct. Yeah. yeah. But I think probably the biggest thing is that people other than us will eventually start paying attention to these races. Usually after Labor Day, you know, people come back to school, to work, and they start tuning in. They start having the evening news on more. And so all of these uh, paid communications, television ads that we spend so much time watching, other real people are going to be seeing those. We're also going to have polling numbers that are going to start funneling in, whether from the campaigns, from the outside groups. Um, And those will help us sort of get a read on which districts are actually competing. Competitive as we go down the final stretch.
1: Yep, I think it's about follow following the money. That uh, it's easy for the committees and uh, these candidates to declare that things are vulnerable or in play or toss ups or whatever. Red or to whatever, blue. Whatever, yeah, whatever they want to say. Young guns. But the the <laughs> money will follow right. the opportunities, or the money will follow the defensive, uh, the necessary defensive seats. And, and so I think that that's, you know, we're going to have a round of stories. The the committees and the outside groups have done a few initial rounds of reservations uh, and they're going to be scaling those back or adding to them and changing them. And that'll help define the landscape a little bit. But I, I just, I can't, you know, as we, as we near the end, uh, the president trying to take credit for helping pull these republicans across the line in special elections i think is remarkable because he is the reason why we are talking about these special these seats being competitive in special elections the whole time i mean he lit the house on fire and is now trying to take credit by bringing the fire a, again it's fire he lit the <laughs> like house on fire pyro, and now he's like bringing Nathan. a bucket of water to these <laughs> things and trying to trying to put it out so it's it's all about fires, Jason. Get on board now. <laughs> I'm all fired up now, Nathan. Okay. <laughs> oh no, oh. This is, it's over. It's
0: over. Uh, we're gonna wrap up. I, I did want to note too that uh, of the 11 special elections that we've seen, uh, there there are eight eight Republican victories, three Democratic victories, and two flips. One in, in the Alabama special election, Doug Jones beat Roy Moore uh, last year, and then Connor Lamb beat Rick Saccone in, in Pennsylvania. So two flips, but overall an eight three split in in how uh, how those special elections went down. So anyway, uh, Simone, Nathan, thank you so much for uh, helping us break this down.
1: Thank you. No problem. Keep the fire burning. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I didn't like <light> the fire. <laughs> I'm do, the whole, do the whole song. Do the whole song. All right. Thank you. Uh, I'm Jason Dick. Thank you for joining us. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and on NPR One. And please, as long as you filter out Nathan and my puns about Billy Joel songs and other uh, fire metaphors, rate us on iTunes. <laughs> for more on this and other stories by Nathan and Simone, please visit RollCall.com or find us on Twitter at RollCall. Thank you for listening.